Hey good people, this is your NI Dom, back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So hey, the rubber band. The rubber band is my starting point. Yesterday, my yesterday, I did a reflection where called the cell, the, the cell, C-E-L-L, the biological cell. But when I started that reflection, I said, my starting point was the cell and the rubber band. And I knew they were two separate considerations, but I also thought they were related. And I was curious, ambitious, curious to see what would come out of doing those reflections side by side in one reflection, in one recording. But I was never able to get to the second part, the rubber band. I spent over an hour talking about the cell and it was so so good for me I haven't gone back to listen to that reflection so I don't know about the quality of the sound yet um, I don't it, this project is unedited and it's unscripted so I record and release <laughs> and um, it is what it is <laughs> so um, I haven't gone back to listen to it but I remember how good I felt when I was recording it I was recording it in the car I'm, I'm in the car now I was on travel I'm still on travel and so I just felt really good doing that recording I, I was animated I was excited um, it just was intellectually stimulating for me I don't know how it's going to come across but I just did it. I enjoyed it and so it's about um, it's about my conception of the social world and all of the different theoretical models that I use on default. I don't even have consciousness of it anymore to understand the social world. And I know that's going to come up in my talk about the rubber band. Um, but I just want to let you know that this is kind of a part two, but it's not. I mean, it, they really are two separate reflections, but I suspect there's some interrelatedness. And as a matter of fact, at the end of yesterday's reflection, I started naturally going into some of uh, some storytelling about the rubber band. I was like, no, 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 no. Let me park that and let me talk about that story when I do the rubber band reflection. And I just didn't come back to it right away uh, yesterday as I planned. So I'm up this morning. I still have a little bit of my morning voice and, um, and, um, uh, I got um, some things I need to do today, but, um, I need to get this, uh, I need to get this rubber band reflection out to you. And, um, and so it's connected to, whereas the social world reflection, um, it was just, it's about the social world. The rubber band reflection is kind of about me in the social world. Because I've been wanting to do a reflection on um, me as a social antisocial. And I think that's going to come through this rubber band reflection. But I'm not sure. So anyway, we're just going to call it the rubber band. It's about me in the social world. And we'll see what happens. We'll see what comes on the other side of that. So I hope you'll stick around and you'll listen, okay? Um, hey, if you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. Um, I do so you I do so by using personality theory to do my goodness the two theories that I use the most 
are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ8. You guys, I also use other theories around the social world, but I don't name them because the personality theories that I use, there's a public audience for it. There's a public community in the typology community. So I can say Myers-Briggs, you understand those theories. And even though I don't believe I attract a lot of Enneagram folks, most people in the MBTI community, you know about the Enneagram. I got to go. I'm going to be under five, over five minutes. But there are social theories that that self um, reflection will help you understand. This project is unedited, is unscripted. To know more about it or me, feel free to go to my website at youranidom.wordpress.com. There's a, there are a few disclaimers I just skipped. So do go to my website, youranidom.wordpress.com to get those. All right. All right. Five minutes, y'all. All right. So, um, and those other those other disclaimers that I deleted, they are really going to be important in this reflection, because because they are they help to explain the me that's in the social world, um, and personality theory. When I say I'm an INTJ8, that really, really covers a lot of territory. This morning, I've started listening to um, some YouTube content by Patrick, and that's the licensed social worker uh, that focuses on child adults with childhood trauma. And he's somebody I was introduced to about a year ago, but I haven't, like... For whatever, I, I have a couple of theories about why I don't do a deep dive into his content. Um, let me just give that to you right quick because I think this is going to connect to the rubber band. All right. just right. I'm just going to be a little windy. Um, let me be a little windy and move about. Um, but I think there's a reason why I might need to be windy in this rubber band reflection. So just be bear with me, okay? The two reasons why I think I think there are two reasons why I don't listen to Patrick's content a lot. Um, one is, um, well, there are a few reasons. The child, okay, the childhood trauma part of me is not a central part of my identity. It is an identity that I have just begun to embrace within the last two years. And this project was really instrumental in that. And when I decided to add that trauma piece to my, that trauma disclaimer, or that trauma piece to my disclaimers, it was because I knew, I knew that when I was coming in here doing these reflections, when I am on travel, particularly when I travel, and spend time with family, those reflections are almost always influenced by trauma. And um, I don't know how to explain it. You need to, I feel, I'm feeling, um, I'm feeling some emotions right now. I don't know what they, I don't know what those emotions are. Which is something that the guy said 
in the content I listened to today about adults who had childhood trauma don't have an immediate connection with those emotions. They have a delayed understanding. The emotions are immediate, but you don't understand it. You don't know what it, what it is. It's delayed. You have a delayed connection with those emotions. God, I want to just stay here, but I'm going to come back and do a separate reflection on that. Um, and so, he's, oh my God, I want to stay there. But I don't, I know there's an emotion I'm having right now, which is something I've been working on, which is something he says. You got to, when you are a, a survivor of, a, of, a, of childhood trauma, you have to really practice trying to connect to your emotions in the day to day and be very proactive in that. And he just named a few strategies and I was so so proud when I was listening to that because those are strategies I've been using and I didn't know um, no one had ever told me you got to do these strategies they were just strategies I started using because I've been on a on a mission to grow and be my best version I've been on a very conscious mission to grow since um, my mid-20s um, and at that time of my life I call this self-actualization. I don't say that often, and I need to process if that's significant. But I, since I would say about 25, I consciously said I'm striving to self-actualize based on the theory of self-actualization. God, that's a theory I didn't even, I don't know, I haven't talked about that theory in a minute. But anyway, um... Yeah, so I just, because I've been wanting to self-actualize, and most of that, when I started my journey for sex, self, sex, <laughs> self-actualization, I, um, I situated it in mm, my INTJ self, my, the INTJ part of me, so what I can produce and what I can create. And I think there was a part that I got a little distracted um, in terms of accomplishing. And I was just, oh my God, I want to stay here. I want to stay here and think about my process through my journey, my approach to self-actualizing. Anyway, 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 I believe that I just haven't I'm determined to talk to you about this rubber band, but I'm really having a hard time leaving this bubble. I'm in a bubble. Okay, let me just go with it. I'm fighting it. Let me just, let me lean into it. And if I don't get to the rubber band, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Okay. Because I'm in something right now that feels really important for me. Um, so I started that self-actualization. I'm feeling emotions, y'all. I don't know what the hell is happening. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, so I started that self-actualization journey in my INTJ self. At that time, I didn't have the INTJ framework, but what I understand about myself as an INTJ, me as an INTJ, I think that's what it was was it what it was about. It was about um really trying to be the best me and hit the be the more my fullest potential and at that time my potential was grounded in what I could produce and what I can produce 
in the world and the movement um, that I could create in the world. Um, and so that movement and production are two separate concepts that I think are interesting that I'm connecting to my INTJ self. That movement sounds more like ENTJ because that's the movement I'm talking about moving people. And, um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. And I've already done a reflection recently within the last two months about, hmm, am I really ENTJ? Because there is a lot of ENTJ-ness in me. And that's just that. And I've just made peace that I'm extroverted T. I mean, excuse me. I'm a, I'm auxiliary TE. And um, that's what that does in me. And and um, and I think it's my occupation that, um, nope. I think I, I think I had moved. Nope, 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 nope. Movement was in me before. Uh, excuse me. I got into my field of, of work. Yeah, anyway, 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 so, and I was reading yesterday, um, I was reading about the Enneagram, and uh, in this article I was reading connected um, Carl Jung's work to the Enneagram, which was really interesting, and he said, People with introverted thinking often are type fives in the Enneagram. He said this is, and then people with extroverted thinking are often eights or ones in the body cluster. That's the instinct. They take action. They, you know, the movement. And that feels so good because often I'm like, I have a lot of five-ish in me, but I'm very action oriented. And sometimes I'm like, well, if I'm a thinker, why am I taking action? And then I really, really enjoyed reading that. Um, and I, I tweeted that article out actually yesterday. You know, when I'm reading, I often just will share it with you all because I know I'm going to reference it when I do a reflection. So please, you know, um, I know you guys, well, I know somebody, some people are looking at my tweets. I can tell because the new Twitter shows me what my views are on those tweets. It's not a lot, but um, I know that I'm not tweeting into just a silent, like a, an empty abyss. But um, if you do go and look at those articles and if they have had, they have value for you, please, please like it just because I know, you know, that it, it helps me to know that you, you appreciate those articles. But anyway, when I'm oftentimes when I'm um, doing some self care work and I'm reading for me I read and I just share it with you because I know that ultimately it's going to come into the the podcast and of course when I'm sometimes when I'm like getting ready to prep myself for a podcast because an episode because I find myself doing that more in the last year where I want to get on and I want to say something but I'm like oh I want to make sure I understand what I'm going to say I'll go look for articles as well and I'll tweet those out so go check those out but yesterday I did tweet these articles and I think it was the one that talked about the difference between the eight and the five the the differences I did one on the difference between the eight and the one the eight and the five the eight and the three and I did one on the difference between the three and the five I think 
or the no 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 the one in the five I did a difference on that one because I anyway I'm not gonna get into that now but anyway so go check it out getting back to um Patrick's content um so I oh so the self-actualization part of that's where I was at so the self-actualization part of me um will go out into the world has been interested in me being the best in the world you know being the best me in the world and that has been that has included creation and production or production which is creation for me and movement and then I would say 10 years into that I started feeling I remember thinking You've got to be self-parent. I shouldn't say I remember thinking. This was a moment where I felt like I heard from the universe. It was my N.I. dumb self or whatever. You're going to have to learn to self-parent. There's some things that you need developmentally that you didn't get. You were supposed to get some things as a child, developmentally speaking. You didn't get them. And you were going to have to... um, you're going to have to get them. And you, in order to get them, you're going to have to self-parent. That happened in 2011. I remember. I remember I was at a coffee shop. It was so clear. And then interestingly, after I, after I had that thought, I was at a Goodwill, which I don't go to the Goodwill. I was with my ex, and we were at the Goodwill. And there was a book. And I don't know if the book... The book may have been entitled Self-Parenting. But if it wasn't titled Self-Parenting, it was about self-parenting. And that was like a confirmation. So I really feel like that was a spiritual moment for me. And I just began to be curious about what is this thing? What are the things that I missed as a child? And so anyway, um, but that's it. That was all I had to work with. Like, I didn't know what I was supposed to... I didn't know. And um, I think when my relationship ended, there was so much toxicity in that relationship. And truthfully, toxicity in me. There was toxicity that I brought to that relationship. And what I believe today is that I was attracted to that relationship because of his toxicity. I hope... I don't believe completely, but I believe that there was a portion of attraction to that relationship because it matched the toxicity of my childhood. So when that relationship ended, I had to come to terms with how in the hell did you get in a relationship like that? Especially when you saw a lot of the signs, you saw things that you didn't like. You saw, and how did you stay? Let me put it this way. Not how did you get into it, but how did you stay in that for 10 years? And, um, and I, I want to just be very honest with you. This hasn't happened in a while, but in the last two months, I know what it is. It's the stress that I'm going through with my family and with this person battling cancer because I've actually thought about my ex, um, uh, a, a lot, a lot more than I normally do. And, um, and I'm doing the kind of 
thinking about my ex in a way that's romanticizing that individual not romanticizing yeah romanticizing but like ideal that's that's a better word idealizing that individual like remembering all of the good right and stripping out all the bad and i have to and and that when i find myself doing that lately i have to go wait a minute wait a minute you can you can remember the good that's fine they were delicious i don't and i um I've recently met somebody. This is very beginning. I'm nothing. I'm not. It's not worth talking about it. But I will say, it's almost scary because there are parts of this individual that remind me of my ex, and I'm like, oh shoot! Like, should I be running? Like, is that a bad thing? I don't know yet. I have no idea. I gotta go see therapy. Right? But anyway, um, I'm gonna get to the rubber band. I'm, well, maybe not. So anyway, I, um, so, and, and two of my other exes have popped up. Now my, I've had two 10 year relationships and I had one relationship that was officially one year, but that person has stayed connected to me in this really weird way. Um, there are other people that I dated for a year that didn't, we don't have a continued connection. I have a continued connection with this individual. Nothing romantic or anything. But, um, but that particular person, for that one year, it was, it was intoxicating. It was just incredibly rich. <laughs> it was, and it's like, I don't, no, I don't need to do that again. Like, I don't need that kind of intoxication and richness oh I don't uh -uh. nope 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 (laughs) anyway but I say that because that individual popped up and the um I got a I got two phone calls from that individual which I didn't answer by the way um just because I just am not in the mood right now while I'm going through the season so I just did not take those calls and then my um ex's aunt um you know which I that's the 10 year relationship I was like family to them and so we connect I ran into um her at the store and and we were like she you know I promised her that I would come by and and I do want to but I don't really want to connect with my ex that ex I wouldn't mind connecting to but I just heard some really disturbing things about that individual and so I'm just like um I don't even know if it's a good idea to go. So anyway, my ex's aunt, she she actually called me two days ago. And I haven't taken a call. I got to call her back. I think I got to, I'm delaying that. But anyway, so, um, uh, so there's like, a, I think I give off something like in the vibrations. Oftentimes I feel like I give off vibrations and I've a thought and then the universe like creates that thing. I don't know. I gotta, you know, there's, there's literature out there on, there are people who believe you can vibrate, you know, energetically move, create in the world. And so that's a separate conversation. But anyway, um, so the last few months I've been, um, idealizing my recent 10 year ex and, and I have to tell myself, okay, you can hold on to those things that are good that you are remembering. That's great. Hold on to those because that'll be like a place marker when you move on and you decide to date again, you can look for these qualities that you really enjoyed in that person. That's fine to remember that. But 
for the those other pieces don't forget them don't forget them don't you cannot forget them and i have to but i am in full transparency you guys i have to make myself in the last two months i've had to make myself remember those um really bad uh um the the not good and i just you know i need to call it for what it is the the bad situations um and like and and we've been um apart for five years and so uh for me to be going through this and for two months i'm pretty sure it's related to just the heightened stress that i'm in and trying to um and probably because i want a reprieve from some of the risk the stress and so i'm remembering parts of that relationship that were you know the parts that were good and and um, the parts that I really would love to have again in the next relationship. Anyway, oh my God. So anyway, at that when that relationship ended, I decided um, to have to you know, to do therapy to find out. Well, no, I got a therapist because I needed to end that relationship. So about a year before the relationship end, well, no, a year before the relationship ended, I went and found a therapist to help me process that because I was having a hard time processing that relationship on my own because there was so much good in it for me. There was so much in that relationship that I enjoyed and because I didn't have a healthy model of interdependency and for relationships. So, you know, I I allowed some people to get in my head and say, you gotta, no relationship is perfect. You're going to have to learn to weather it, right? And so I didn't know, I didn't, my compass would it. you heard me say the traffic light, my red light, green light, yellow light was completely off. I had no idea how to determine what part of this was just normal relationship stuff that you suffer through and what part of these are deal breakers. And I know, and I know you heard me just say some of this was bad, right? that's that's and that's indicative of a person who had childhood trauma that's with a with a parent or two that's that's the perfect example because we don't have a way like a, a person that grew up with a healthy with healthy parents those healthy parents taught you how to have healthy emotions and told you how to steer away from situations that are not healthy and dangerous I didn't get that type of teaching um and I got my each of my parents taught me some things that are I deeply appreciate but they also taught me to stay in bad situations um because of the bad situations that they brought to the table so I learned I learned to be attached to tolerate a trauma to a significant degree okay so in that when I got that therapist that last year um the last year of the relationship I said I need you to help me to figure out if this if just I needed a thought partner if, you know I don't need you to, I don't need you to really tell me but I need to process this and which is interesting is that 
when I got the, when I finally found a therapist, because I was determined, and it took me about six months to find um, a therapist that I really felt good with. Six months, y'all. And so I just want to tell you, for those of you who, you know, who say, go and get a therapist, because you can get some horrible therapists. Horrible. Horrible. And um, you got to give yourself permission to, first of all, say, that person is horrible. That's not working for me. But the second thing you have to do is not give up on therapy because it's really a good thing to have a therapist. And not because you've been in trauma. It's just really a good thing. Just like you have a, a, a dentist and you have a doctor, you have a mechanic. You just, those are the mind, the, the mind and the, your emotions are really, uh, components of you that you really should be very proactive with. Don't wait until there's a crisis in your life to go and have surgery, you know, psychological surgery to do your wellness check. Do your, you don't have to do therapy all the time, but check in once or twice a year with a therapist. I would say at least if you're, if things are going well, do an annual checkup. You might just do three sessions a year back to back. I'm going to do my wellness. I'm going to do it in July. I'm going to do it in January and just have three sessions back to back. You know, when I say back to back, like once a week or every two weeks. And then you're done for the year. And then that is, that is a, um, and I don't, I don't do this often, but this is one that I, I deeply believe and I want to share that with you listening to me. You should be doing wellness checks with a therapist. Um, yeah, I want to say a therapist. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. Anyway, so, but the first, uh, so it took me six months to find the right person. It really did, but because I'm, this is something I, I do for a living. I don't, I'm not a therapist, but I always tell people I'm not a therapist, but I'm a licensed psychology teacher. <laughs> I am, I'm technically, I'm literally a licensed psych teacher. And, um, and, and as a social scientist, psychology is one of my disciplines. And so I believe in therapy and I, you know, and I know the process. So I've created a process for myself, like if I had to find a therapist and all that. And if you ever need to find a therapist, I'd be willing, contact me. I'd be willing to share with you the process that I go through when I'm looking for this, my fit. Okay. All right. And so this person is a fit. We've been, you know, we've been doing this work for seven years because, um, so when I got the therapist, um, when I finally found her, it took another about six months before I was ready to talk about the relationship. I don't know what we were talking about initially. They were doing getting to know you. I think we were talking about other things that I thought were important. They were. I remember we talked about, we talked a lot about INTJ-ness um, and of me being a thinker woman. And that's one of the things that drew me to the therapist because she knew she knew uh, Myers Briggs, and she had done she had done some uh, academic studying with on the uh, MBTI, and so I was like, oh, you know, that was such a match. And then she was an NI dom. She's an NI. She's an INFJ. So her NI ness and my NI ness in that room was delicious. I remember the first six months, you know. So we were doing a lot of um, work around those top two functions for me, and I don't think we were consciously doing it, but in hindsight. And then I got ready. Uh, and, and I remember telling her, I think I told you guys this before, 
uh, that I had gone out to a bar once and I was having a glass of wine and then whoever's at the bar I was telling them about something about my relationship I was complaining about it and so when I was telling my therapist that she was like why why aren't you telling me these things <laughs> she was like why aren't you telling me these things and um and uh, and I was like I'm not ready because I know when I start telling you this I'm gonna have to take action because I'm an action person and there's no way I'm going to tell you something and have to come back and look at you knowing that you have that knowledge. I know I'm going to have to take action. That man at the bar, I'm never going to see him again. Now, this is not something I consciously had thought, but when she asked me the question, this is what came out of me. And so it, right after I said that, maybe maybe a month or so later, I, I said, I'm ready. And sure enough, that was when that's when things that's when things started breaking down God I want to stay there I'm having a breakthrough about that too when I say that's when things started breaking down it is when they started breaking down but I also that's when I started having consciousness and there's a relatedness between that consciousness and the breaking down I believe that's that's coming to me right now anyway so I did that and so um after that, so then, then the therapy was about the therapist. Therapy was first about making the decision about is this relationship healthy for you, blah, blah blah. And then after that, it was about after the relationship ended, I stayed in the therapy, obviously, to kind of go through the the grief of that, you know. And then, and there was a lot of anger. And then I stayed in a relationship because. I was curious. No, 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 no. My grandmother passed right as I was going. At the same time, I'm dealing with the breakup. And it was simultaneous. It was just, it was really a tough season. And, um, and in that, that's when some of this family stuff started becoming visible for me. Like the... Yeah, that's when it became visible. Because I always knew the family... And I shouldn't say I always know. That's not true. A lot of this awareness of family started coming to, at the same time. Like, it, there were different things that I started becoming conscious to. Um, right before that, um, I had... There was a book. There was a book that I got... Um, that talked about... Um, Parents who are immature. Okay. I don't remember the name of the book. I remember getting that book maybe right around the time I found my therapist. So, like, there are things in the universe happening at the same time. I also think I told you guys that uh, a lady told me that I ha I reminded her after I would visit with after I would come, go home and visit with my family and would come home, come back to where she knew me, she said I reminded her a lot of her sister who was traumatized by their mother because of the type of mother that they had. And she said, you might want to look up this kind of mother. I don't want to tell you guys that right now. She said, you might want to look up this type of mother. And when I looked it up, I was like, oh, my gosh, this book was like 
describing my mom. I was like, oh my God. So I had just started getting like tidbits of that. Um, and then like the relationship ended and then like, my grandmother passed. But when my grandmother passed, I don't know. I don't know if it was because of the work I was started doing with the therapist. I don't know if it was a book. I don't know. Or just, it was the right time, but it was almost like my entire, my family came into focus. My family came into focus about some things that were not healthy. And so I stayed with my therapist to work on, start, start really digging into that as well as digging into trying to deal with the, the relationship and my complicitness in that relationship, what the toxicity that I brought to that relationship, right? And so that took a long time. <laughs> That that was some years, and um, and then I've stayed with her because uh, we've we've had a seven year relationship now. It'll be seven years, so my math might be off then. Because I think so. I'm sorry. It's six years. It's six. It's six. I'm not seven years. Why did I think it was seven? Oh, it is seven. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's seven. It'll be seven because I didn't remember I didn't do the relate. I didn't end the relationship right when I started. Okay, anyway, anyway, that time period was just interesting for me to remember. But, um, yeah, so I did that. And then, um, so we started. So I was also, when I ended that relationship, part of the, Part of the toxicity of that 10 relationship was me becoming structurally dependent on this person. And um, and it was traumatic for me because I've always been very independent, very self-sustaining. And it was mind-blowing. It was mind-blowing that somebody like me could get into a situation where I lost my independence. Like, how did that happen? And in my mind, I still was the independent person that I thought I was. You know, all of the signs. There was so much evidence that I had lost that independence. There were so many, so many markers that I had lost myself. And so there was this really weird confusion happening. I'm still, I'm, 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 I'm not lost. I've got it together. I'm me, you know. I could take care of things. I'm a problem solver, you know. I still held that identity to a certain extent. While everything about me had fallen apart. Everything. Everything. I left that relationship with nothing. I tell people all the time, I went into that relationship. I was a business owner. When I say I was a business owner, I made a living off of my own business. And I was a homeowner. And I left that with nothing. I've always had savings. Nothing. Nothing. And so that's, that is important. That is an important part of the story. <laughs> so having to get back on my feet from like starting from scratch, going back. That's when I, cause I had been doing leadership. I had to go back into the classroom to make 
to get a job, to make money, and um, and I and I'll always go back to the classroom during during transitions because I just love the classroom, and I don't mind. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to have to go back now, but I will, and so um, we'll talk about that in another at another time because that is. Um, one of the things I've considered as I transition, I'm trying to get back into business. And so as I try to transition back in business, I need to make sure that I don't structurally fall apart in this transition. And so going back to the classroom is on the table as a way of making sure that I structurally stay, you know, solvent, if you will. And so anyway, but, um, so my therapist is kind of, was kind of there with me to, um, you know, you know, that was stressful, you know, going back in the classroom. And I'm not, the, I'm not the decision maker. I was, a, I had my own school, right? I, I literally created the curriculum and the policies for schooling and for education. And I hold a PhD. Sorry about that. I hold a PhD in education. So to go back into a, in a space where I have zero power, <laughs> you know, to make uh, instructional decisions it was was tough. So my therapist kind of, you know, was with me as I dealt with the stress of that, and, and I just and as I've been climbing my way back up, quote unquote, the power, the, the the leadership ladder, you know, it's been all of it has been stressful. You've been this project, you've been um, a part of the last three years, so the la- I've. Um, I've been out of my relationship for five years but for the entire five years I've been trying to get back on my feet you guys have been a part of three three years of that and we're just we're about to hit a three-year anniversary of this project and that's what I've been doing and you witnessed it all <laughs> so um and so that is the therapy that is the um and so like even in this place where I'm at now you guys have been little the last this season I've been talking a lot about spirituality leadership and money because what has happened is that I have in my opinion and I'm, I'm going to say this at 90% there's 10% of me that what I'm about to say 10% of me doesn't want this to be true but at 90% I believe that I've maxed out on that recovery plan so going back into the to the system I was a teacher then I was a co I was a a district coach then I became then I moved into principalship and then I went to the state level like I did all of that in 4 years that's been a climb you've captured that most of that I mean I've captured most of that journey in this podcast you've heard me talk about it and the leadership piece of me exceeds that 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 world because philosophically and my drive and I'm an INTJ so right you understand INTJs are going to look at a situation we're going to try to make it better it's hard for us to be inside of something that doesn't make sense and so I've maxed out on that system because what I'm, what I've learned, and what I believe, that system, and I, sh- this is, should not be hard to understand. This is a education is a state issue, and education has always been the thorn, has had a thorn. The, we, so let me put it this way: African Americans have had a thorny relationship 
with education since our existence in this country. I mean, historically, we've had a it's that we've had a thorny relationship with education. And so while my work is not specifically limited to the um, education of black children, black children are a significant part of my work, right? I, I'm very interested in low income, the education that we give low income kids, and that includes low income white kids because there's, they, they are harmed in that system as well. Don't get me started on that. But anyway, so... Um, I feel like I have maxed out on that in terms of having, I've had really, I've gotten a chance to look at, I've had a, 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 a taste of power in that system. And when I say a taste of power, the power to, I mean, it's those positions that I, those were, those positions have power to them. And just to watch how that power was only I was only allowed to use that power to maintain, but not to improve it. If so, if I want to improve that world, I'm not going to be able to do it in as an employee. I don't believe I'm going to be able to do it as an employee. There are other ways I'm, I have to do it. I might have to do it as a consultant. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of where I'm at. That's where I'm at right now. Um, and uh, that's that's a separate reflection, but that's, I mean, I have really, res- I've been really, I've been really res- um, settling into that truth. And now trying to decide, okay, what are you going to do now? What, what are you going to do structurally? You know, for, you know, I'm a person that loves to save and trying to learn how to invest. And um, I'm still a person that wants to produce and move in the world, right? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? So it took me a minute to get here because I was, there was a, there was some, I'm not going to lie in another full transparency. That's what I'm going to name this episode, full transparency, because I'm telling a lot of truth in this reflection. But in full transparency, there was a part of me that was trying to make that world work for me. I don't, I make pretty decent money in that system my needs are met I have no complaints in terms of my structural needs now I don't have everything I want that's just because I you know what I mean I got to stay in it but my needs are met to leave that it's not it's 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 not I'm not excited about it I'm not excited about leaving the, the the structural comfort that I have I'm not excited about it at all at all but one of the things I'm saying is in terms of the journey of um, self-actualization and emotion I'm going to bring this together and then I'm going to bring closure to this uh, reflection I don't know what why I'm struggling to get to the rubber band but um, apparently I needed to process this um, so I have to just embrace it but in order to be to get to the place I need to be in order to be, if, if in order for me to get to my best version of me, my best version of me isn't just structural, although it's important. And I think that if as I'm as I'm processing this whole journey of self actualization, I'm wondering if that's just been something I've 
I've struggled with. Because there's a structural part of me. And you guys, when I say structure, I'm talking about financial, material. Yeah, the financial and the material. Food, clothing, shelter, the body. Yeah, it's a, a lot. Of, it's around the safety and the security of the body, but it's not limited to body. So then it's a house. How do I, you know, uh, how do I have consistent shelter? It's about transportation. How do I get around? It's about insurance. How how do I cover myself in case of an emergency? It's about you know. It's those. It, it's when I say structural, I'm talking about the things that keep me secure in the world. That emotion is coming up for me again now. I don't know what it is, but it's, that thing is happening inside of me. I have no idea what that is. Oh my God, I can feel it. That just it just happened again. It was gone. But that's and it's a grief. It is uh, uh, maybe it's a grief. I don't know. I don't know. But. What what happens? Okay. Oh my God, you guys, I'm getting ready to cry. Like I'm seriously, you should see I got an ugly face. Like my face is scratching up. I am getting ready to cry. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to make myself laugh just because I'm not going to cry. I don't want to cry because this is, what the hell? What, I, what I'm wondering right now in this moment is... Um, That the structural safety for me has never been without the emotional trauma. That's one of the things I'm wondering right now. That they go hand in hand. If I think about it, times when I've been the most... Nope, that's not true. Okay, thank God. Because I was going to say the times I've been structurally secure, there was a heightened season of a trauma and that's there was a small window right before the relationship where I was I was in I was the queen of my domain and I had the business I had the house I had my I had what I I was I had what I needed but I didn't know it and I think because the one thing I didn't have is I didn't have the romance that period before, before, right before that relationship, when I was the business owner, and I was the, um, I was the business owner, I was a homeowner, I have, I, I didn't have the, the, I had friends, but I had turmoil in those friendships, but not a yeah, I started having, I was having turmoil in those friendships, but I wasn't really kind of aware of it then. So I was tolerating that as, that's just what it is. Kind of like how I tolerated the, the turmoil in that relationship. It, it's, it's like, this is what it is, right? But I didn't have the romance. And so I had dated and I had gone through a season of dating and and I just started feeling broken like what is this like why and at the time that wasn't brokenness because I just wasn't attracted to I wasn't I wasn't attracted (laughs) I just 
I wasn't attracted to what those relationships were bringing. Or I wasn't attracted to what I was going to have to do to be in those relationships. And then my ex came along. And I did a poem about this. And I haven't released it yet. But it was about my ex green screened me. Or green screened. Like you, you, you projected. I, and I, I had somebody who told me this. Some people will listen to you what, you, what you say you want, and then they will become that. There's an actual personality theory that would explain that. So, I don't remember what it is. Uh, and thank God, because otherwise I would fall into another rabbit hole. But that they'll listen to you, and then they will present themselves as that thing. To make themselves desirable, attractive. And then you think, oh, that thing that you want, oh, here it is. And then you get in there, and you realize, no, it's not that. Mm-mm. And uh, my my ex tried to accuse me of doing that. Like, well, you said you said when we got together, you wanted to be a power couple. I said, yeah, I did. And these are the things that I was bringing to the table, and you were knocking down. <laughs> I can't be a I can't be a power couple for the two of us. That means you have to do your part. <laughs> and so we were so I was so busy helping you do your part, I fell apart. So I I entered with a lot. I left with nothing. My ex entered with nothing in that was jobless and had lost the house, their house. And my God, did it! It flipped. And I'm I have no. I'm not going to blame anybody but myself. I refuse to blame my ex for that. I own that lesson. And if you don't understand, like if, to, if that doesn't say what kind of situation I was in, this says I lost those things and my ex gained them in that 10-year relationship. That's fine. Anyway, so I didn't have that. And so I think I was tr- trying to complete the circle. And now, I mean, we haven't, I don't really talk a lot about dating because it's not something... I don't, I'm like, I don't want to go through that again. Um, but I definitely never want to lose myself again. And if that's what's required to um, be in relationships, I don't want to do it. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how to do it. I often play around with the idea of being polyamorous and there are so many, there are different configurations of polyamory. I've already talked to you guys about that. Um, about a year ago, I have an interest it, academically. Uh, it's it just, it's very intriguing to me. And um, uh, I don't know if I could do it because I'm like, I don't have enough of a sexual appetite to be with one person. How the hell am I going to be with two people or three? But anyway, there are different arrangements in polyamory. So you can have a W type of relationship, a V type of relationship. Like, so if I'm not going to get into that, those of you who know, you know. So it just, just because you're in relationship with multiple people, it doesn't, yeah, it just, there's so many different possibilities. Anyway, but I think, I think like, oh, I wonder, could I do that? And then I'm like, that, so then I'm like, that would be stressful. 
You know what I mean? So for whatever reason, in my mind, I'm romanticizing that. Like, maybe that's the solution. Because then I don't have to be everything to one person. And one person doesn't have to be everything to me. Then I don't have to get everything. Then it's okay. You can't give me everything. Because I don't think, I genuinely think one person can't. And then that would be okay. And then I can get this from this person. I can get this. And in my mind, that's perfect. And then sometimes I'm like, that would be so stressful to have to be romantically committed. Not committed. Well, committed and responsive to multiple people. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, anyway. (laughs) So, anyway. No, dating is just not a high thing on my on my level of just consciousness it's just it's I I try to force myself to um be cognizant of it but it's just not I mean it's just not and I don't know if I could still be just going through a healing from that other relationship or I could just be like um not And I think part of it, I really think a part of it is just not understanding what dating needs to be for me as an INTJ, particularly as an INTJ 8. I learned about, like, there are things that INTJs do romantically that are different. And as I read about the INTJ in romance, I'm like, oh, oh, I do do that. And just not having a place to learn myself to know how to date and I think that that also is part of the trauma because not knowing myself emotionally to even know how to be in an emotional relationship with another person I think that influenced my friendship selection you know the trauma piece did so that was a lot y'all that I went down that that journey it was an interesting journey that that's it was a self-actualization journey that I just went through. And I'm not done. Like, So it's not like I've arrived. But where I think I'm at now is I'm in a really important place right now. And it's going to... A lot is really dependent on... A lot is going to be dependent on the next move I make. And... That's why it was really probably good for me to to lean into this self-actualization when it popped up because um, this is good because it is something that I value and it is something that has guided my adult life. And I think I've been so busy in the last uh, four to five years trying to recover what I lost oh my god this is good I've been so busy trying to recover what I lost in the last five years from that relationship that I haven't thought about self-actualizing in the way that I thought about it up until even up up through the relationship I still thought about self-actualizing which is really weird because I was falling apart. But in my mind, I'm still in the... Well, and that's because I was self... I was reducing... I had limited self-actualization to my creativity. 
and that is not enough. And so the structural piece is important. The, the production creativity piece is important. I believe the movement piece, that feels important, but I, I will come back and I want to process um, that with you because I think I'm also resisting that. I feel like the movement work that um, that is on me, I do have movement work that I feel compelled to do, but I'm not leaning into it because I also feel, um, I feel I'm having, I'm having a, like a type five relationship to that movement work. Uh, it feels, um, not overwhelming intellectually. That's what it, it feels overwhelming emotionally. Like, oh, I'm going to have to care. I don't want to care that much. I don't want to connect to people to do that. I don't want to have to make that kind of emotional connection to do that kind of movement work. And I don't know how to do that movement work outside of the the, the emotional demands that it, it will require. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even going back to the classroom would not be the way I was in the classroom when I was younger. And I have to be mindful of that, too. Um because when I was in the classroom before those kids were everything I mean there there was a lot of enmeshment that I did um and I, enmeshment is not a really good word but um I'm gonna have to study that word because I don't think it's a good word but I don't think everything I did so when I say enmeshment when I was a teacher like I wasn't I had students whose big sisters put me in their wedding I got invited to dinner. I've got, I built relationships. Not, not, I mean, I was a teacher for a long time. Not all of my students' families I became connected to, but I had a number. I had one family, which I didn't take them up on their offer. They offered to help me move. <laughs> I was like, no, thank you. At that time, I was like, no, no, this is, I'm good. But I, you know, I had, I just had, um, place you know just my students were like my family I've never said that this is the first time I've ever said that and um, I don't know if that was terrible um, Yeah, but but when I came back to the classroom, I didn't bring that part of me back to to my practice. Um, and probably for is that a sign? I don't know. I don't know what that means. I need to um, think about it. But um, and it's interesting because you know how Facebook allows you to be connected. You know, even students that I didn't have that, like I, 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 I may have told you guys this uh, about a year ago. I was out and a, a, a young man walked past me and he, he said, you look like, I'm sorry, you look like a, a teacher I had in high school. And I said, I had not seen that baby since, and he's not a baby. <laughs> He's like in his forties, and and you probably he probably just hit forty. And I, and I looked at him. I just said his name. I had not seen him 
since he was like 15 years old, 15, maybe 16. And I said, Roger, that's not his name. I was like, Roger. And he said, and he, he said, it is you. And he hugged me, he hugged me. And it was just a genuine, and most teachers have that. You know, because student, you love your teachers. You know, not all of us. <laughs> you know, I had, I, have, I had a few students who didn't like, care for me. But it was really rare because I loved all my students, you know. Um, and then, you know, I just loved on them. And I'm just... Yeah, yeah. I just said, "Wow, you know he and he had been in, he had been locked up, he had been locked up for like years, like over ten years." And I was like, "It was over ten years," and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And then I felt like I had let him down. Like maybe if I would have stayed connected to him, that wouldn't have happened. You know, (laughs) maybe if I would have been a better teacher, that wouldn't have happened to him. But anyway, but it's just it was just it is it was that kind of connection, and so. I think, I just, I think I got on this self-actualization conversation because um, I haven't been thinking about it because I've been so focused on recovery that I'm, I've not been on the self-actualization train, track. And because of recovery, because when I fell apart, it was so scary so dark for so long I didn't think I would ever recover then I think a little bit of I'm scared probably I'm not a lot and that's why I asked myself yesterday I'm like because I've been procrastinating like I've been procrastinating I said are do you think you can't do it that's what I asked myself I'm like I don't it's not that I think I can't do the thing that I want, I'm supposed to do for self-actualizing. I don't know how to do the emotional stuff with people. I don't know how to build the fam- I don't know how to build the friends. I don't know how to do the dating. It's the emotional stuff. I don't know how to do that. And that's the rubber band conversation that I need to have. But um, <laughs> um <clears throat> excuse me. I um I have I I haven't. I don't know. I need to. Really think about this self-actualization because the last five years I have not been on the self-actualization journey. I've been on the recovery journey. And there would be, there would be pockets where I'm like, okay, this is next and it's starting to look good, you know, or I can start envisioning that future, right? And I was just getting there, just getting there. And then the organization that I work for, they decided to, not the organization, well, kind of, the funding, they decided to shift the funding and, um, and I cannot, I cannot move with the shifting of that money because it would require me to have a different political orientation to the work. And so my politics won't, can't shift. And so I can't shift with that organization. So it's like, wow, universe, like right when I got to the edge of ready to I'm like, I'm able to start like, I'm no longer thinking about survival. I can actually start thinking in the future again. And, um, and I'm like, well, so what am I going to do? Right. And so uh, cause I want to, rec- uh, I want to close because I think there are two themes that, that I'm, 
inter intertwining in this reflection. I think there's this recovery self-actualization theme. And then there's the trauma theme that is, is, isn't as pronounced as the structural. So I think it'll be interesting when I'm in this reflection and I think about it because I think about the reflections what I'm going to come up or come away with because I think I'm no longer this is what it is and I can start closing here I get it I'm no longer looking at okay this is it It's I'm having a breakthrough right now self-actualization is no longer just structural but it cannot be structural so there was a period of time when I was going so after the universe said you got a self-parent and after that relationship ended there was a part of me that was like I am just going to and I was getting in touch with the FI part of me you know, like, I'm just going to live this emotionally healthy life. And you cannot have an emotionally healthy life in the, out, in the absence of the structure, of a structural security. But it, 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 so I just didn't know how to do both, the structural and emotional. But I did go through that season of, like, really learning about, sorry, about emotional, um, That should be the last time that's going to happen. My apologies. I did go through a season of learning about family trauma, in my opinion. I went through it. So all of that has been about my development. It really has. Even though I didn't, I didn't, I don't, I think I, I think I've been open to learn um, healing to, to, I think the work that I've done around emotional trauma, excuse me, childhood trauma, which is emotional for me, um, is emotional trauma. I think the work that I've done with emotional trauma probably came because I've been committed to self-actualization because that's important to me. Because I look at, I was talking to my sister yesterday my double sister and and the kind of conversations I want to have with her aren't the conversations she wants to have. I think she has them with me because she loves me. I think they're stressful for her. And I think that there's a hyper vigilance that I have. And I think that there's um I don't know if there's an obsessiveness about it. I don't know. I'm not ready to because when you say obsessive, you vilify it. So I'm not ready to do that. I'm not ready to say the amount of work and focus on healing is problematic. I don't want to problematize it right now. But um, that's what I want to do. I want to, um, excuse me, I've been, I'm sorry, my brain is racing right now. I think because I... I think because I've been open to self action, because I've been on a track for self actualization, um, 
I think it made me open to do this healing work. And I bring up my sister because she comes from the same place I come from. Intergenerational trauma. Now, she has a different role in the family, a different function in the family. So that trauma is going to impact her differently because of the way the, the system positioned her in the trauma. But she has it. And I don't want to tell her business, but and I told you guys recently, I did, I'll say this part. I said, sis, pay attention to when you, um, when you, cons- when you, because she's a wine drinker, right? Just pay attention to your body when you decide, when you go, oh, I, oh, I could go for a glass of wine. I, I said, all I'm asking you to do is to be mindful that trauma is stored in the body and your body remembers it more than your mind will. And you, sometimes that desire for wine is about trauma that's being stored in your body. And it's not always, right? But all I'm asking you to do is to become conscious of that. And so, um, that's work. That is work. That is part of the work I want to do in the world. But, um, that's part of the movement work I want to do, (laughs) y'all. To help people, um, not, not just people who've been traumatized by family, but people who are under existing because of some type of oppression. Because of some kind of trauma, right? There's a reason to move through that. And that's the work that I've been doing, even though I didn't know that it was still on t- target with the self-actualization. You know, I just, I didn't know that that was part of it until this reflection. And so, and my, I think in, before my dad died, like, like literally months before my dad died, he was saying, you're going to have to get back to that work that you were doing. You're going to have to get back there. You're going to have to get back there. That work was needed in the world and I said yes I said but dad I have to work on me right now I can't be out there trying to help other people to be empowered and I'm not and I'm suffering or I'm underdeveloped I have to work on me and that's kind of what um that's what I've been doing and so you guys this reflection feels like it's a hodgepodge of a lot of a lot of important things and I feel a need to um, bring it all together and centralize it and put like a nice little bow on it but I think it's going to take me some time and I can, I'm running out of time and so I'm just going to have to do a cutoff, even though I don't feel like I've fully integrated these this idea of the structural work the recovery work this, so this structural it, recovery the recovery work is structural but really, the recovery work could is also emotional now that I think about it. I just have never... I don't know what I'm recovering. I don't know what I'm moving to for the... My God, this is good. I don't know what I'm moving to for the emotional... And honestly, when I think about it, I don't know what I'm moving to towards the structural because that's the whole point with the work shift. I can go back and get another job in the system. Probably, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get another leadership position because I'm not willing to do what I have to do for those leadership positions in the system. But I also know what it's like 
for me to work in a system and I'm not doing leadership. So it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situation, right? And that's going to be very stressful no matter what. If I go get another leadership position, it's going to be very stressful for me. And if I don't get a formal leader, uh, uh, a systems leadership position, I'm going to be stressed for different reasons, for different reasons. And so I've hit, now that I know that, now that I know the relationship between that work and my emotional self, I can't unknow it. I just can't unknow it. So then I think, okay, well, you have this other work that you're supposed to be doing, <laughs> but it's going to require me to dip back into not having some of my structural comforts for a minute. And maybe not because I've been trying to think about what is the way to keep that. And, and then the emotional, the emotional work, I don't know a time. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I'm the healthiest now. I really do. But I can't, I mean, I'm the healthiest now that I've ever been in my life. Emotionally. This is the healthiest I've been because of all the work that I've been doing. So now I have to figure out how to have the emotional wellness and the structural wellness in tandem with each other. And I have to make decisions that will prioritize both because that's what I've never done. I've either prioritized in the, the emotional wellness, which is very recent, or the structural advancement. And I don't really know them together. Like I said, I had a small window of time before that relationship um but it didn't have I wasn't in the it wasn't it wasn't it was probably I had emotional calmness (laughs) but that was about it I was not I wasn't wasn't thriving emotionally I wasn't so I've been doing that that's what that's what that's the work I've been doing um the self the, the, the structural and the emotional at different Points and I think the structural, the emotional, and then I think the spiritual for me to do that creative, that production work, that producing something um, original in the world, which feeds my spirit. You know, I feel like that's been paused or delayed, not not parked, because I, I mean I've still been writing. Right, oh my book is going to be out next week. Yay! I'm excited. <laughs> it's just my booklet, my booklet, because it's so small. But anyway, yay! And um, and I meet with. A, I have a business coach. I'm I'm doing a lot of the things. I'm getting back in the uh, production, creative driving seat. I am doing that, but none of that right now has any kind of revenue attached to it so that's you know it's scary for me it is scary it's just you know but I feel like I have to do it so um but anyway I'm gonna bring closure to this reflection because I think this is it was necessary and I think it is going to explain when I when I finally talk to you guys about the damn rubber band I think it's going to explain an aspect of the rubber band you'll better appreciate the aspect of the rubber band metaphor because of you now understanding my full journey 
of 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 of, of um, wellness, um, of self actualization. Um, so let me end here by just because I've said self actualization so much that I want to name this episode self actualization. Um, Abraham Maslow is the theorist, the theorist for that theory, and there are people who argue and say it's not a theory because it's not academically academically tested and true but it's a framework so let's say that and in that framework it basically says that in order for you to hit high places of wellness your the, your highest potential there are these state these are the there are things that you need to satisfy at the base of that would be food shelter clothing i think the next level of that is like belonging right I can't tell you the levels by heart. I used to be able to do that, but I haven't been thinking about that theory. Um, So go check it out. And so I remember back in the day, I was like, well, I'm functioning at the top tier. And that bottom, that belonging piece, I've not had. I've not had. And it's something I've been trying to work on. And I don't know how to get belonging as an INTJ. I need to, I'm going to contact some people. Like, can you do a, I'm going to ask the INTJ, John. I'm going to ask him. I don't know if he'll do it, but will you do a reflection about belonging and as a social, as a need for self-actualization and how INTJs do that? Because I don't, that's something I just have really struggled with. I've really struggled with it. I think part of that struggle is because of the, um, the trauma piece. And, um, but I think another part of it is just the INTJ. Now, I promise you I'm closing. The content I listened to today from Patrick, was about eleven signs that you are pro- that you are um, a product of childhood trauma as an adult. Eleven, there are eleven common traits of adults who have childhood trauma, who had childhood trauma that they possess. I've only gotten to five of them because I had to stop because I wanted to come and talk to you all. A lot of those could be explained by the INTJ framework. So I looked at the comments and the comments said, are you telling me that my entire personality is the product of trauma? I don't know. I mean, that's a reasonable question because we are a product of the socialization process. And that childhood time period was our, our formative years. So it, it formed us into who we are. But I do have a, a really, really um, sketchy theory that I'm developing that INTJs, most of us, experience some kind of trauma and I don't know if it's because we were we were created the trauma created our INTJ-ness or our trauma our INTJ-ness allows us to recognize that it's trauma I'm not sure I'm not sure but I just know a lot of INTJs that are very similar um had some similar childhood stuff experience and um and so when I get through those, finish that content on the 11 signs of trauma, 11 signs of childhood trauma, I'm going to come back and I'll share that with you all. Okay. You guys, if this reflection has had a, uh, any value for you, I've been all over the place, but it was some work I needed to do. So I, I, those of you who hung around to the end of it, I thank you for that. Uh, if this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. If this talk about uh, structural recovery, emotional um, healing work. Uh, it's like, um, it's, I'm struggling with calling that recovery work because I'm like recovering to win. 
to before I was born. Because I've never, I've, being, having childhood trauma, I've not been emotionally well. Ever. Until in the last five years. So while I've been trying to get back on my feet structurally, I've also been really, really focused on my emotional health. And that's, that's an interesting thing that those two things have happened in the last five years. Interesting. I, I feel like that means something. And what am I going to do moving forward to protect that? What am I going to do, especially when you factor in that we have to work for, you know, and make a living? Because the connection with work is that it gives you structure. It allows you to take care of the structural things, but it deeply impacts also emotional wellness it does and I didn't get into that in a in a universal way in this reflection but it, through my story you can see that and so they're all connected and so I want to move forward towards unifying my wellness because my wellness journey has been fractured either I'm working on the structure or I'm working you know the emotion, and like I said, the last five years I've done both. And now, I'm, I'm now trying to expand my wellness. There it is. Because I've been doing the emotion. Okay, here it is. I promise you I'm closing here. I promise. I just had the breakthrough. My emotional wellness was historical. The work that I've been doing emotionally was about historical work. But because I am a product of that, there were some there were some decisions I have been making in the past that were a product of that historical trauma. And it wasn't just about the friends I was choosing as I don't do that anymore. That's but it was also about the work, how I was going into work. And I'm saying and of course, relationships. I'm saying moving forward, I'm now having an ex- expanded relationship with wellness. And I think that also is factoring in my family, right? Because there's some things that I have. This, this season has really been about me confronting my emotional wellness on an expanded level. That's really what it was. Mm, my God, this is good. I'm glad. You know what I mean? I talked about, like, I don't know what those emotions are. I, don't th- I think this is it. it w- I think I needed to just really name this part of my journey, the expansion of my emotional wellness. Um, and so that's, I, I, and that's really hard. As an INTJ, that's hard for me to say, this is part of self-actualizing. Because I want to, I want to belittle the emotional wellness. I mean, not belittle it, but like downplay it. That what's most important for me in self actualizing is really the structural piece and the um, movement production piece. But the emotional wellness and and advancing there is as as is important as well. <laughs> Don't know if I'm going to say as important. It should be at least. It should be as important. And so it is. Maybe I'll call this wellness. 
Well, I don't want to call it self-actualization. I don't know what I'm going to call it. But anyway, by the time you get this, you'll know what it's called. So if any of those things, well, structural wellness, emotional wellness, spiritual wellness, that's my production and being the best you. If any of those things relate to a conversation you've had in the world, please take this link and share it with those participants. If my moving about calls from randomness in you, I'd love to hear it. You can find me on my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. On Twitter, yournidom1. Facebook and leadership, yournidom. Come, come and hang out with me there, you guys. Or not hang out with me. Just go there. All right. Let me give you your assignment. Hold on. Wellness. Let's focus on wellness. Look at those three domains in your life. And, and tell me how well you are. Just do a wellness, not tell me, I'm sorry. Do a wellness check for yourself. Do a wellness check. Structurally, how well are you? Emotionally, how well are you? And spiritually, how well are you? And there's going to become a time, if you haven't done it, like I am now, where there's an intersection. And I'm no, you're you're in your growth. You're only going to be able to grow so far with those three areas as separate. You're only going to be able to grow so far in the growth plan for three separate separate growth plans for those. At some point, you're going to have to integrate all of them into, into a unified approach to wellness. A unified approach to wellness. I don't have it mastered, so I can't tell you how to do it. But that's what I'm thinking about, just so you know. So join me with that, okay? You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. This is long. I'm sorry, but thank you for being here. It has been a pleasure hanging out with you until I come back. Be well. Bye.